With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Happy Friday here and welcome to another edition of Husker Online Headlines. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, uh, spring break upon us here in Lincoln at the University of Nebraska, uh, but still plenty to talk about and uh, every week we go through five different headlines. This week, Sip, we're going to start out uh, with one of our good friends, Tom Deanhart, a uh, longtime national college football writer for uh, BTN.com, the Sporting News, now with Purdue at GoldenBlack.com. Lots of Big Ten topics mm-hmm. I want to hit with on Tom uh, with Tom here. As um, you know, there's lots of questions about this league. Tom, we appreciate you joining us here on Husker Online Headlines. Hey, it's always great to speak to the Ruth and Gehrig of Nebraska Cornhusker sports oh, coverage, guys. You know, they see your smiling, happy faces in this <laughs> high-quality production. It's always an honor, guys. Well, it's an honor to have you. I've been reading Tom Dean Art literally for 30 years. 30 years. Well, Tom, um, lots to unpack here with you about the Big Ten. And I, I guess I want to start with scheduling and, and the pods um, mm-hmm. because this league, as we know, is going to go to 16 teams in 2024. And the divisions are presumably done. And – you know, there still could be more teams added to the Big Ten. We don't know that yet. Um, yeah. What is from the coaches you talk to, the sources you talk to, what is your read on what the Big Ten plans to do with kind of permanent games and how they want to schedule this thing going forward? You know, like you talked about, Sean, it's been wide, widely speculated, widely reported that the Big Ten is, is probably is headed toward just a single one division format beginning in 2024 when USC and UCLA join the conference. So you just have one through 16, the top two teams playing in a conference championship game. So I think that's uh, I think that's almost a foregone conclusion from what I hear from, from some of the coaches I talked to. And just to backtrack a little bit, guys, a couple of weeks ago, there was a big meeting in Chicago with the head coaches, with the ADs and other Big Ten administrators. And a lot of these topics were discussed. And um, from the people I talked to in the rooms there, too, guys, one of the biggest points of debate is deciding how many permanent opponents each team will have beginning in 2024. Now, they're still going to have nine conference games, but are you going to have one, two or three protected rivals each year? And the sense I got is the coaches sort of lean toward just wanting to have one or two. Um, we'll see where they end up landing. But again, that's that's been a big area of debate. And if you read things and talk to people who cover the SEC, they may be moving toward nine-game league schedule, but they may have three protected rivals too. So that's going to be a very interesting debate to watch play out here. What is the debate like? What what do what is the point of contention in that in that topic? I think one coach I talked to wanted zero or one. He just thought uh, they needed more flexibility, okay, uh, and then having these these schedules. I thought, you know, I, I thought I told him, well, I think the TV networks probably want Nebraska, Ohio State, USC, all the big brands playing each other as often as they can. Um, so again, I, I think 
it's not a huge raging debate. Um, I think you could probably find one or two permanent opponents for Farid School. Who would that third opponent be for each school? Maybe you have to stretch it a little bit. Uh, they also want to make sure schools play each other twice within a four-year period as well, so you're not off somebody's schedule for a five- or six-year period too. Tom, this is more of an observation than a question, but and you can comment on this from an outside perspective. This in some ways works against Nebraska because Nebraska – Nebraska's brand power almost works against it in that you mentioned they some people would want to pair Nebraska with Ohio State and USC, which are thriving on the field, and their brand is thriving. It's not a great deal for Nebraska because they're they're not exactly thriving right now, right? Yeah. But it's still that brand sip, and yeah, you right. guys know that. Everybody's the struggles in Lincoln have been well documented and right. chronicled. Uh, I know they've turned the page again, and maybe maybe Rule's going to be the guy who gets Nebraska back on track. But still, guys, Nebraska's Nebraska, man. That's why the Big Ten brought Nebraska in. They didn't bring Nebraska in to play Rutgers and Indiana. They brought Nebraska in to play these big brands to get big TV games. Yep. And so, yeah, it's just in one of those unfortunate circumstances. Sorry, guys, you happen to be a popular school. Yeah. <laughs> you happen to draw a lot of eyeballs to, to, to TV. So. It is kind of a conundrum for a team like Nebraska still trying to really find its footing as an elite school. Right. Well, and Tom, conference realignment, obviously still a huge topic, mainly with the Pac-12, and even the ACC to an extent uh, mm -hmm. under Grant Wright's agreement. But you know, you're hearing a lot of things about Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State, yeah. leaving the Pac-12 to the Big Ten, or excuse me, to the Big 12. Yeah. What does that do with Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford? I mean, do you get the sense that any of those teams would have a standing invite, could they get an invite to the Big Ten on a reduced financial agreement where they're not going to get the USC-UCLA deal? I mean, is there a path that these teams could be in the Big Ten sooner rather than later? I have not I, I've not really dug deep into the weeds on if, if they did join, if they would have to take a reduced cut of the media rights or not. Um, but just listening to the, 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 the key reporters out on the West Coast, John Conzano and John Wilner, if you listen to their podcast, those guys are as dialed into the Pac-12 as anybody. They're in Las Vegas this week for their basketball tournament. There's, they think there's, there's going to be some release maybe at this juncture of their, of their upcoming TV deal. They've been kicking the can down the road with this thing for weeks, and that's got a lot of people going, what's going on here, guys? So maybe we'll get some real tangible news, an announcement on what their TV contract looks like. Some of the people may not be happy, guys, if it's got a heavy streaming component to it. The money may be good, but the exposure is not good. So there may be some unhappy customers is what I'm trying to say. And again, you hear about those four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, maybe coming to the Big 12. And if that happens, I think the Pac-12 is over. I think Oregon and Washington, we all know, want to come to the Big 10. I think um, I think the conference. I don't. I don't. I don't. I know Kevin Warren would have liked to have had them. Um, how soon they could be folded in? Who knows? Would that include Stanford and Cal? Possibly. I, I think you need some more schools out west, don't you guys? With this USC and UCLA, I think it's an inevitability, honestly, to, to have more of a western at western edge of the Big Ten at, at some point. For me, for, it just seems like it's not a matter of if, but when. Maybe some of this stuff starts to fall apart for the Pac-12. Maybe I'm wrong. Well, and just think about what it would do, Tom, with time zones. If you were able to control inventory in the mountain and the Pacific time zones with marquee matchups and Pac-12 venues right now, UCLA, Oregon, USC, Washington, with the Michigan, with the Nebraska, 
I mean, there's a lot of value to control that inventory when you talk about those time zones. It's huge. You're exactly right. More and more big time, very good academic schools, too. Um, but more and more inventory you spoke about, more partners out west to help with, with, with the travel and whatnot for USC and UCLA already. And then, Sean, you talked about the ACC a few minutes ago, too. You guys have seen Florida State, Clemson starting to squawk. Hey, we want a bigger share of the of the TV pie. We we bring the most eyeballs. The TV says, why does Wake Forest and Duke, why do they get the same? Why is their check as big as our check? So you can see there's already fissures there. And I don't know if they're going to have a breakup or not. You know those schools want to get out, guys, right? You know the grant of rights is till like 2036. They're doing the math. They're getting like $30 million a year less than these Big Ten and SEC schools. Florida State, Clemson, they know they can't keep up. I can't imagine they're going to sit still and let themselves fall into disarray, fall that far behind monetarily while these other schools continue to enrich themselves and build their programs. That's going to be really interesting to see if the, if the ACC ever does get broken up like that. What does it mean when we, we talk about this where the Florida State AD is concerned about being $30 million behind Purdue. I mean, behind yeah. Ohio State, behind Nebraska, behind SEC schools. You've covered college football for a long time, Tom. What's it mean? I mean, what do you think goes through that AD's mind when you're $30 million behind in the media rights deal? I'd be panicked. Would you? Your salaries, facilities. Who knows where we're going to go with, with with pay for play maybe? Yeah. Compensating players. I mean, yeah. I mean, my, my, my head would be spinning if I was an AD at Florida State or Clemson or Miami or even North Carolina and Virginia. I think those schools, especially North Carolina, we all know is a very attractive school that the Big Ten of the SEC would love to have. So you name it. I mean, without without that big chunk of money, your your, your infrastructure, your facilities, not to mention I talked about the personnel and the staff, the shortfalls you would have there to be able to keep up with these other schools. So. It's got to be a real concern for uh, for those conferences, I would think, moving forward if they can't keep up dollar-wise. Sure. As we wrap it up with Tom Deanhart, i got to ask you, too, about Ryan Walters. Um, you're one of the few that's right there in West Lafayette covering that team daily. What is your early read on this coaching change? I mean, you're looking at the final year of the Big Ten West, and we were talking about this the other day. It's, it's as wide open of a year heading into the West as you're ever going to see Mm -hmm. Wisconsin changing coaches, Nebraska changing coaches, Iowa bringing in a new quarterback, uh, Purdue, Illinois obviously had a great year. I mean, they're, th this West is wide open in what's going to be the final year to to win the West Division. Yeah, don't forget about Minnesota, right? Uh, Flex always seems like he's in it too. And you're right. Uh, Ryan Walters, I spent about an hour with him yesterday man, up in his office. We went over, man, I went from childhood to, <laughs> to current day. Got about a lot of really gritty, very emotional details of his life. Some of the things he went through in college, some real personal matters. But again, a young guy, there's a lot of energy here, guys. It's such a contrast. It is that proverbial 180 from the Brahm era to the Walters era, era from, a, from a vibe standpoint. These guys are all over social media. Brahm's guys kind of eschewed social media for the most part. These guys are dancing on, on Twitter. Ryan Walter sends out these videos. Jack Brown would never have dreamed of, of sending out. I'm not saying one way is right or one way is wrong. It's just different, right? Yeah, it seems to connect with the kids. The players are very happy. They're doing all they can to amp up their NIL game, guys. It's not anywhere near where Nebraska's is. But Ryan Walters gets it. He's 36 years old. He understands the importance of making sure NIL works. And, and he's going to do all he can to make sure Purdue can just try to keep up and stay in the game with some of the big-time programs in the Big Ten.
Tom, do you still do the Big Ten evaluation, the Big Ten prognostications for? Is it Lindy's? Yeah, for Lindy's. Yeah, you I, still I, do I, that? Yeah, right. The Big Ten. I actually started. I started actually started looking like the schedule zip, and and not to keep on Purdue here, but their schedule may be as tough as anybody's in the Big Ten next year. Check this out. Okay. They opened with Fresno State at home, which won ten games last year, coached okay. by Jeff Tedford. They got another non-conference games against Syracuse and at Virginia Tech. Hmm. Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule now this year's crossover guys, and of course you always have you know Nebraska, Iowa, and Wisconsin. So again, non-conference wise, just that Fresno State, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. I don't think any other Big Whoa. Ten school probably plays three Power hmm. Five schools, or I, I, Fresno's not, but at least two Power Five schools. Uh, in, in the non-conference, plus Fresno State's a very good group good, of five yeah. schools. We all Yeah, I hey, I got to well, tell you, go you right there. I got to tell you, you, I read your preseason stuff closer than anybody's because I trust you. So do a good job <laughs> on that stuff, Tom. Who's your pick <laughs> in the West right now, Tom? I am. Hey, hey, I always send an email to you. I know Sip off that. I mean, uh, uh, Sean off to send you Sip. I want. I always ask Sean every year. So how do you see the West playing out? So. I usually will canvas a few writers just to get their view too, because you know you can always default to Wisconsin, right? Um, I have <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I haven't even thought about who to pick in the West. Who do you guys think? I mean, I have no I, idea. I think well, the crossovers is going to be the deciding factor. Like, yeah, who's going to be able to get two or three wins on their Eastern crossover schedule? I mean, that's good probably it's a good point. I mean, and that, that's probably where the division's going to get. And Nebraska had that schedule last year. They had Indiana and Rutgers as crossover games, and, and they 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 were able to win those two games. But if you can get two of your yeah. three crossover games, you're going to be in good shape in the West. I think Nebraska plays Michigan this year still. I don't think yeah. that's one of your or Michigan, Michigan State, and Maryland. It's pretty tough. Oh, that's, that's, they, yeah, that's pretty they tough. They got yeah. three pretty tough crossover games. That is tough. I I I, I really haven't dug really deep into the into that aspect of the schedules just yet. The crossover opponents, but I think you're right, Sean. That's that's going to be a big determining factor. Hey, real quick before I go, one other mm -hmm. interesting topic uh, I'm going to write about probably next week that came okay. out of that Big Ten meeting a couple of weeks ago was that I, I talked to Sean off off camera about this last week. They're 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 kicking around the idea of having a Big Ten officiating command center. If you can believe it, the Big Ten is the only Power Five conference that does not have a, an officiating command center off-site that is involved in, 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 in penalty reviews. ACC does, SEC, Big Twelve, and the Pac-12. They can they they go back to Birmingham. You know, they go back to San Francisco. They go back to Greensboro. They help them fish. They help them overview these these official calls. And then the Big Ten's really thinking about finally making that plunge. Imagine it would be in Chicago, right? And anytime there's a penalty review, Chicago would be involved in helping make the decision, sorting it out. You mean that's live? I mean during the game, or in yeah, the just like just like just like a major league baseball does. You see those guys that they're, they're people in New York are helping them sort that out in New York. Oh. It's up in New York City. So the Big Ten is the only conference, the only power conference that doesn't have an offsite officiating command center. Uh, so that'd be interesting to see if it happens. It sounds like they may be moving toward that, but that was one of the other bigger, I think, things that really came out of that. And guys, I had two coaches tell me, I don't think it's going to happen, but they've even discussed getting rid of the Big Ten championship game. Whoa. I, that, that, that's the coaches. I don't think it's ever going to happen because the money. I think, money. They, I, I think they worry about another hurdle. We all know it's another hurdle to get a playoff bid. Now I think going to a 12-team playoff, 
losing the Big Ten title game probably isn't going to be as detrimental as it has been with just a 14 playoff. But I thought it was very interesting when I heard that 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 they that they even brought that up and discussed it. There's just no way the league's going to give up seventy thousand no. tickets to sell to that game, along with the television revenue. There's just in the city of Indianapolis. I mean, there's just too much there for them to walk away from a championship game. Other than other than money, what's the value? Not the um, money. Money's got a lot. One, <laughs> Tom Osborne was the very first proponent of conference title games back when the Big Twelve formed. He was the one guy that voted against the Big 12 title game because he said back then there will be a year where this costs one of our teams to go to the national yeah. championship. And it but you don't think it will now with the 12 no, it won't now. Play, You're right. With 12. You're probably still going to get an at-large bid, right? If you lose the game. My fear, though, this is my fear, is you could have an Ohio State-Michigan rematch back-to-back yeah. weeks. You think that's that bad, though? People always talk about that. Is that that bad of a thing? I'd still watch. <laughs> yeah, but I'd still watch. If you're one of the uh, participants, though, that's what you, you think about. I got you. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how coaches would look at that. How co- I mean, I'm not talking about coaches at other schools. I'm talking about coaches at those schools. What would yeah, they say? Yeah. Do the kids care? I don't know that the kids would care that much. Fans I would, would love it. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. if they played in the playoffs, though, too? That'd be three games. <laughs> That'd yeah, be something. <clears throat> Nebraska played Washington three times, and they played them twice in a season. They played them three times in 12 months. Yeah, that okay. was ridiculous, too. That was ridiculous. But, hey, Tom, we could talk all day. We're, we're yeah. going to have you on again, though. We appreciate you stepping in to headlines with us. You and, bet. Uh, well, uh, anytime, guys. And, and I, I know I'll probably see you. Uh, I'm guessing it's going to be in Indianapolis in it July. Is. It's always, it is. So it's always fun. You know, you know how much I love seeing you guys and appreciate your time and, and your insight and your expertise and your friendship. Thank you, Tom. That's nice of you. Back at you. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Thanks again to Tom <laughs> joining us here on Husker Online Headlines. Man, a lot of knowledge there. How about the command center, the divisions, the yeah. schedules, the realignment? I mean, and his talk with Ryan Walters, how, it sort of parallels Nebraska in a sense, Sean, and that how much different what Ryan Walters is than his predecessor, Brom. How much difference, Matt, how much different Matt Rule is than his predecessor, Scott Frost. Now it's breaks down a little bit in age because uh, Walters is a young guy, thirty six, thirty six years old. Brom was an older guy. Rules, Rule and Frost are about the same age. But anyway, Rule couldn't be. I mean, Rule and Frost are different animals. I mean, they are. And I'm not, and, and you can't say right now one's better than the other. Can't say that right now. But they're much different. And Walters is. Much different than Braun. Braun was an old school guy, Sean. Yeah, and and I, I know just talking to Tom. He, I mean, towards the end of it, his access to Braun got better. But Tom is the. I mean, there isn't. There's a a, a Lafayette newspaper, and then the there's, Courier Journal, and then there's Golden Black with Dean yeah. Hart and, and his crew, and that's it. And so, like Tom is the, I mean, he is like the main main Purdue guy, and he it yep. took him a few years to even have a line into Braun. Yeah, Brom. Um, <laughs> or you just heard him say Walters and him was in his office for an hour. Yeah, that's. I, I'll be interested to read what 
Tom writes about that. But yeah, yeah, it's a much different media core at Purdue than here. I mean, it's a very condensed media core, whereas this one's gigantic. But the uh, thing about the command center, that, that should happen, right? I suppose, yeah. I mean, it's it's not a cost issue. I, I just wonder what's kept it from happening. It would save money because right now you're paying two people at every game to be in the replay booth. Okay. And those are the replay officials on site. Now you would have those people in one central location. You probably wouldn't need to have as many paid replay officials on the game sites. Yeah, it's curious to me why the Big Ten hasn't done that. There, I just wonder what the reason would be. If there's a good, there might be a good reason. And, I don't know. What. You know, one thing I like though is it takes you out of the emotions of the stadium. Yeah. Because if you're in the moment, mm-hmm. refing a tough call, yeah. you can get caught up in the emotions of the place you're at. You're human. And if you're in Chicago, removed, walking in and out of a room, grabbing coffee, coming back. I mean, you're, 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 it's a job. You're there just kind of, and you're removed. That's what you're talking about. And that makes sense. You and Tom also, that, the pod talk is fascinating. The The prospects of the Big Ten growing by, I don't know, what are you talking about, Sean? Three or four more teams? Oregon, Washington, Cal, Stanford. I mean, then. Okay, so you grow, you grow, you grow to four. But then there's Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia. I mean, there's. Okay, there's, now you're at 21 22. Yeah. I mean, I That's think. That's probably what you're looking at eventually. Think, but the, the key is you dominate all four time zones with brands. Right. It's a national conference. With brands. Yeah. So then it's a national conference. And that's where rule. I mean, a lot of people. I think when he started talking about recruiting Texas, I think a lot of people are like, "What are we? Okay, now are are we sure about this?" But in the context of this discussion, recruiting Texas makes a lot more sense, right? And that's what Matt has said. Coach Rule said that it's going to be national. We're going to have a national conference at some point. Then why not recruit tech? Recruit the hell out of Texas, right? Makes yeah. sense. It makes more sense in that context than the current context. I mean, the way it's heading with the SEC and the Big Ten, it's almost like the NFC and the AFC. You're going to have two, you know, separate divisions of football where potentially the, the winners of those leagues could play for a championship. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I don't know how appealing that is to people because that's not really college football at that point. No, I mean, it, well, the money. The money has gotten to the <laughs> yeah, point. I know, everything. everything's about money, but I'm talking about appeal. I don't know how appealing that is to people. It is reality, and you can't fight it. You're it telling like is. Mike Gundy in Kansas State, you're not important anymore. You're telling you tell a lot of schools. You're telling a lot of people that you're not important enough. Fresno State, you're telling that, too. You don't make enough money. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. You heard Mike Oresco the American athletic conference commissioner. We well, didn't hear him. He put out a statement. He put out a lengthy statement saying this, Sean, I don't know if you saw this, but if you didn't, you should look into this. Mike Oresco, the, the commissioner of the American athletic conference said, we have to stop referring to these as power five and group of five quit the daily nation. When did it start? Is that a media thing? I suppose it is, but he said, no, we're just, we're just 10 FBS conferences. It shouldn't be Power Five and Group of Five. I think what got into his craw was there was an initiative, an NIL initiative. There was an email that the Power Five schools were privy to, but the Group of Five weren't. And I think he said, okay, this is getting ridiculous. Who started, who, when did, who alienated the Power Five versus the Group of Five? That's, that's got to well, be a, it's a media creation, right? Before Louisville and Pitt in Miami, 
le- and Syracuse left the Big East to go to the ACC, the American, which was the Big East, was a Power Five conference, the Power Six. They had yeah, the, Power Six. They 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 got an auto bid to one of those bowl games. You know the mm-hmm. the old whatever you call it, the BCS games, mm-hmm. and then they went to the Power Five and, and eliminated that. But like, it's funny when you talk about basketball, you can't say Power Five in basketball because the Big East, right is a power conference right good point yeah and so like there really is like six power leagues but you can also argue the americans a power conference too right extent. i know yeah i see where he's coming from on that why why do we do that i mean why do we money say, yeah you're labeling people based on how much money they bring in and in the, the pac-12 though like why are they considered a power conference right now the, the which pac-12 yeah well right if exactly. ucla and usc are gone right what, what makes them a power conference yeah good point so lot lots to talk about real quick on the um scheduling i always just assumed it was locked in at three per team i know you assume that you talk about it all the time. Uh, well that's what <laughs> right um but now there's some pushback because i think there's some coaches that feel like their three are going to be tougher than your three right i've always thought that was odd i and mean so, how are you going to make that work it, it's got to be at least two though because like nebraska would have to have iowa every year but what if iowa wants wisconsin and minnesota too yeah i mean it's really hard to do because it's really hard to do like so let's just say nebraska got iowa who would be their their second pick would they just give them ucla well, that's where sean now correct me if i'm wrong wouldn't just having one create the flexibility that would take care of a lot of the problems? But wisconsin and iowa and iowa and minnesota have to play every year there's like lots of history with those games. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's, you've created this history in this conference that it's really, really uh, hard. These are really difficult questions to break sure. history. I mean, you know what? Nebraska, Oklahoma got broken mainly because yeah. Nebraska was so good in 96 that Oklahoma won it out of it. You know, and then they stopped playing every year. Yeah. So you eliminate the divisions in some of these rivalries, or you, how do you protect them? How do you protect them? That's it's what you're tough. That's what you're dealing with. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, next headline Commitment Week is over in Lincoln. What is Commitment Week? Um, it looked like a hell of a lot of fun this week. Uh, you, you saw obviously some tough taxing drills. We saw Teddy Prohaska being carried by Omar Brown, but um, they did their Olympics day where you saw Matt Rule and his team playing hockey, pickleball, this was this week, right? soccer, ping pong, basketball. They had a dunk contest, uh, commitment week. You know, it, it sounds kind of quirky, but I think, I think it, these are the types of things that bring teams together, kind of. You, you, and I, I don't want to say it wasn't done before, but I, I've never seen something like this in Nebraska. No, I, it's hard. It's always hard to have these conversations because it's possible. And Megan's showing the inaugural Husker Olympics right now. And it's a fascinating video. If you haven't seen it on YouTube, what Nebraska did, what rule created this team commitment. Now they had like an Olympics where they had all, like you said, all these different sort of events, Sean, it's, it's sort of awkward to talk about because you, you don't know that they've probably done similar things. Well, to they, create. they did barbecues and guys would go. I mean, they, they did fun stuff. But yeah. yeah, with Frost. Yeah, I mean, that, now now that you talk about it and you're jogging my memory, they did do that. 
Like there'd um, be events where like they'd have a taco truck out of the lake and yeah, you know, got, I mean they so they, you're right they did fun but this was really well laid out I seems mean, more elaborate. What they they involved like several people: the Lincoln Stars hockey team, the Nebraska soccer team, the men's golf team was involved. They used the Hendrick Center that the basketball teams. I mean the beach volleyball courts and the volleyball program. So they involved like all these like there's the women's soccer players. This is the golf simulator and the golf teams involved. I mean, they involved the entire campus in this Olympic week in, in some way or another. Yeah, and it looks, I'll tell you what, Megan hasn't, uh, the dunk contest is sort of fascinating to watch. And you, you do, it does remind you of the freakish athleticism some of these guys have, like Heinrich Harburg. If you haven't watched the YouTube video, watch Heinrich Harburg's so, dunk. where his. Where we'll his, get to it here. Yeah, where his eyes are almost parallel with the rim. I mean... They always talk. This staff really likes Harburg. I mean, and I mean, the, his athleticism is pretty freakish. We're like Mark Whipple. It felt like he wanted nothing to do with the guy. You're always dogging on. Well, Whipple. he did. I mean, he didn't even travel him to Michigan. <laughs> right. He played. Well, a you don't know what the, that's not even in the program. Yeah, anymore. I don't. I just don't know what practice looked like, Sean. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it didn't work out particularly well. It's hard to say. I mean, I'm not going to judge a quarterback on how well he dunks a basketball. But um, I, 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 well, I felt like Frost yeah. was a Harburg guy because yeah. I mean, he was from the same part of the state. And once Frost was gone, Harburg was. I mean, he didn't get near the opportunities, and now he's kind of back in that same spot. But yeah. If we're going to judge quarterbacks on how well they play basketball, Casey can shoot it. There's your boy. Uh, <laughs> Stop referring to him as my boy. But you can see Casey can shoot it, right? Hey, uh, Allen here too. A.J. Yeah. Allen obviously is a hooper. I mean, clearly A.J. Allen's a hooper. Look at Rule swiping him. Yeah, Rule got him. Rule got him. Um, yeah, this, this, Sean, this stuff is amazing. I mean, it is really pretty cool. That was Adam DeMichael in there too playing with them. But it looks like the kids are genuinely having fun. Um, and that's, you know, kind of what it's about, right? You know what this beats sprinting and like killing yourself on turf inside the Hawk center. I mean, this is probably you know, like, this is like a vacation compared to what winter conditioning was before this. Yeah. And you want some fun. You, I mean, Hey, listen, it's Sean, fun. It's a game. Listen, football is much of it's just hard work. All right. Here's the look at Fedoni. Okay. Watch Fedoni. Yeah. He's healthy. <laughs> yeah. That's good to see. I mean, 260 pounds. Yeah, I don't know who that was. This is, is this Phelan? Yeah, Phelan Sanford. Binkelman? Braxton Clark getting up. Braxton Clark is friends with Shaq's kid. You know that? I and did not th know. Th this is Heinrich Harburg. Look at this. Are you kidding me? Look at that. Yeah, it's. I feel like I'm watching vintage Columbus High film here. No. Steve Sipple. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah, Steve Sipple, that, the proud the Columbus discovery. See, they were, hey, they were, those guys, Heinrich makes an impression on you. So that, that commitment week is in the books. Spring break. Everyone's gone um, now, today. and So you think it's pretty barren at Memorial yeah. Stadium right now? You know, I heard Greg Sharp interviewing Matt Rule Thursday and said, enjoy your spring break. You know, so like they're giving these guys a little bit of time away. I don't know when they'll be back up there, but everyone's going to, I mean, they're all away from their families. And Matt Rule mentioned that on the radio Thursday. He goes, the hardest part about this is every one of these men here with me and women are away from their families. Um, but the other good part about it is it just brings us closer together as a staff, because when your wife and kids aren't here right now, who do you go out to dinner with? Right. The coaches, right. the people you work with. Right. Um, so they've gotten really close, I think, as a staff coming in in the way they have and um i'm guessing everyone's going to get a little bit of downtime here 
um, a little bit like like a week yeah well then march 19th that sunday is the meeting okay and then they'll begin practice the 20th and we'll get access on that 20th yeah so that's a monday monday yeah so that's i always sort of wonder what's going on at the stadium right now there's probably not a lot going on at the stadium no so take take it easy sip watch march madness next week oh i'm gonna watch it this week i'm watching the conference tournaments i'm into the big 10 tournament sean kind of an upset deal well we'll talk basketball later in the show here um okay you're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads go to lips now that's l-i-b-s-y-n ads.com all right let's go headline number four the March 25th recruiting weekend is shaping up to be one of the biggest weekends that we've ever seen in recruiting at Nebraska. Jeez, um, really? The volume of four-star players coming into Lincoln is unlike we've ever seen. Uh, when you just kind of break down this list of names coming in, uh, we've confirmed 19 different recruits from the class of 2024 coming into Lincoln, headlined by Dylan Riola, Williams uh, Nuarni from Kansas City. You got Ryan Wingo. So, the top player from Kansas City, the top player from St. Louis, Ryan Wingo, will be here. Nigel Smith, one of the top players in Texas, will be here. Carter Nelson, the top player in Nebraska. Andrew Sprague, the other top player in Kansas City, a top 100 offensive lineman. Um, you'll have Gatlin Bear, the top player in Idaho that's going to be here. 6'2". Um, so you go down this list of people that are going to make their way in. Dave On Hall, Roger Granny, who's committed in Nebraska. Grant Bricks, who's... Um, arguably the number one player in Iowa. Um, it is loaded. I mean, there. This is going to be a enormous weekend, and you know more and more names. Sprague was confirmed this week. Davon Hall was confirmed this week. Um, so they continue to fill this weekend up. Sip. I love it. I love to see those receivers six two six two six four. Um, Caleb Benning. Yeah, yeah, and I love to see him going into St. Louis, um, and, and and targeting a six foot four. 200 plus pound receiver. Um, and, you know, you can talk all day long about Dylan Rayola. Um, that's a fascinating conversation and fairly complex. Um, but yeah, that's, that'll be a gigantic weekend for, for Husker online for sure. Well, and then you talk about Dylan Rayola. He visited USC a week ago. So his uh, RPM on on three is now favoring USC heavily. In fact, a lot of the projections, whether they're on our network or 24-7 or other places, are leaning Riola to USC. But as we know, this thing is far from over. It's so far from over. And, and why do you say that? Um, because there's more visits. He's right. going He's going to Georgia March 18th, um, so next weekend. Then he'll be at Nebraska March 25th. He's made th That will be a sixth trip to Nebraska. And he's not visiting Oregon until late April. Right? Yeah, and his visit to Oregon right now is set up for, let's see. April 24th, April 25th, uh, April 29th. Oh, April. okay. April 29th. So Nebraska's spring game is the 22nd. The next weekend is the 29th. That's really the last weekend of spring games in college football. He's so he will visit Oregon at the tail end of spring ball for the whole country. And that, so yeah, like if he makes that visit, we know that Dylan Rylo's recruitment is going to go into May. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it, it's a fascinating it's it's a really fascinating story there's two things that really got my attention chad simmons of on three talks to dylan 
in that article that came out recently, there's two main things that really got my attention. One saying he definitely wants to visit Oregon. That visit's going to happen. Okay. I mean, some people would say, oh, will he really go that far into this? I think he will. He said he definitely wants to visit Oregon. And a lot of people had opened their eyes. And, and if you're a Nebraska fan, it was, I think it was sort of frustrating that he talks to Lincoln Riley every day. You know, a lot of people saw that and thought, oh, God. That right? was a pretty big piece of information, though. It was. I mean, he was quoted as saying, and I read it and thought, oh, God, that seemed. It. And now maybe Dylan didn't, you know, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe it didn't, doesn't mean as much to Dylan as it does to onlookers like us, but. Yeah, definitely got a lot of people's attention. Nebraska's in this, though. There's no doubt about it. Nebraska is is right in the hunt. And that's what that's what his dad has kind of said to me. His dad, obviously, I mean, come on. His dad loves Nebraska. And his dad has said things like, at least we, meaning Nebraska, is in the hunt, right? We're not. We're in the conversation. That's all you can ask for. Yeah, right. and, and um, one of the latest RPMs, Justin Hopkins, who's the Oregon expert for on three, he's got a 75% confidence right now for Dylan Riola to USC. Okay. So that that really skewed up that number to put him to USC. Nebraska had, uh, and Georgia had been kind of out in front, but this latest visit changed things. And there was a camp of people in the media um, that really thought that Riola could be like a silent to Nebraska. And, and you, I know you never really bought into that. Um, I didn't understand it. Because, I mean, you have you have direct access to Dom. Yeah, unless Dom was just steering me wrong. I just ne- I just never understood how, and, that, could, how he, that could be. He is in communication with Nebraska recruiting targets. I think that's what's really confusing. Like, you know, he talks to Isaiah McMorris, Carter Nelson, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. Like all these recruits, he's visiting with a lot of them around the country. Uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean any of those guys are going to Nebraska. None of them are committed to Nebraska yet. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Situation. There's a lot there. It's going to be fun to follow, no doubt. All yeah, right. I, my my advice to people is don't try to read a 17 year old's mind. I mean, it's I'm not trying to do that. Keep I'm just keeping an open mind on it. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. Final headline, Nebraska basketball, disappointing loss at the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. They fell to Minnesota, a team that they had beaten twice all year. Uh, They looked after that win in Iowa as a near lock to the NIT because most people were projecting them to beat Minnesota, um, get two games over 500 at that point, then maybe lose a game after that, be one game over. Now they're at 500. Lots of questions on the NIT SIP. Are you going to be watching that NIT selection show very closely on <laughs> Sunday? Usually Matt Schick is the host of that thing, so yeah, maybe Schick will give us some intel. I, don't know. I think Nebraska's got a chance to make it. I mean, I, I talked to a... I know you make fun of me for this, but I talked to a bracketologist. Well, he was on my radio the show. The NIT bracketologist. Yeah. There, there is an NIT John Templon. Shout out to John Templon, and he's very good. If you read his blog, he's very dialed in. He's done this for 10 years. He gives he gives Nebraska a 30% chance. Now, that was fr- that was after that, the loss. That was Thursday that he, he said that. Now, if North Carolina, Sean, doesn't – I think North Carolina, there's a chance that they say we're not going to play. 
all right, Texas Tech isn't going to play in the NIT. North Carolina is not going to play in the NIT. Maybe Michigan says we don't want to play in the NIT. Well, that all obviously enhances Nebraska's chances, right? So I think Nebraska has a chance to get in. The loss to Minnesota was obviously disappointing. It shocked me. And now a lot of people say, why would you be shocked? I thought Nebraska was a better team. I just, I, and I don't buy the – I never get into that. It, well, it's hard sip. It's so hard to beat a team three times in one year. That is that is psychological mumbo-jumbo. If you think it doesn't happen, well, I will tell you this. It just happened twice on, yeah. on Thursday. Minnesota lost to Maryland three times this year. Penn State beat Illinois three times this year. It's not – that, 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 don't use that as an excuse. It's hard to be a team three times. Uh, it's, it's that's come on. There's sweeps in pro sports all the time. Time. Uh, I don't know. I give Minnesota credit more than I knock Nebraska in that in this particular game. Minnesota probably underachieved this year to a pretty high level. They're not that bad a team. Well, their length. It yeah, gave, yeah, it gave Walker and Greasel problems. Absolutely, Sean. and I think the first two times they met. Walker had his way. Greasel had his way. Sort of, Sean. It was an overtime game in Minneapolis. But they they didn't get like the shots were being altered though. Like yeah. you never got clean looks. I mean, their their layup percentage. Robin Washett had that number, and it was startling how many layups Nebraska missed yeah, around inside, the rim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're eighteen for thirty three, which is a lot of misses. A lot of, I mean, point blank misses. Eighteen for thirty three. You know. Toganama, if you let him breathe, he'll make it. But the problem is no one lets that guy breathe. I mean, he, he is literally yeah. covered as tight as any player you're going to oh, see. And, and what you see, what you notice now is they're putting long athletic guards on him, guys that can move. And they just overplay mm-hmm. him like crazy. Yeah, it's tough. Now, Tominaga does a great job of, of moving. We all know. We talk about that all the time, how well he moves without the ball. And Fred is, if there's anybody, no, well, there's not too many people in the world that I would take as a coach who can get a guy open than Fred. Fred, hey, Sean, you talk to any coach, insider information, whatever, they will tell you Fred's offensive designs are freaky. I mean, he's he knows what he's doing. So that's a good that's a good team um, to have Tominaga and Fred together. But yeah, I mean, immensely disappointing loss. And, you know, immensely. And now lots of questions about what's next for the roster. I mean, will Toganama Tomna be back? Tominaga. Um, sorry, I just totally That's Friday okay. fumbled that one. <laughs> it was just like a I'm just gonna keep going. Type yeah, of. yeah. That's fine. <laughs> it was like Chris uh, Fowler trying to say in Dominican <laughs> Sue's name and yeah. in the 09 Missouri game. He, he couldn't get it right the entire yeah. game. Yeah, I still just say Sue. And he he, he he I mean he was like I mean he he was just all over the place. And by the end of that 09 Thursday night game in Columbia where it poured rain the entire game, yeah. he was just calling him Mr. Sue. Yeah, that's probably the best route to take. <laughs> I mean, it was he could not get Indomitian off his tongue. Yeah, so as far as the transfer Sorry. portal goes, no, that's fine. With with Hoiberg, you're fine. Um, Sean, he's got to go get impact players. You know, there, I mean, there's it's a not lot just of enough, smoke about yeah. local names. Like, I mean, I don't want to get like guys like Chucky Hepburn, Hunter Sal. I mean, there's they're playing on teams still, like, but – you know, can can he woo another big in-state name home, mm-hmm. or just anybody? An but player like, from anywhere. You I mean. saw what Shireman's doing at Creighton, Greasel's doing for Nebraska. Can they get another guy like that back here? That'd be good. And say, look at what you can be. Look at this guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you're big on that. I agree with you because people get by. These kids have no idea the star power they could have if they unlock Nebraska basketball. 
like, oh God, you're if they, yeah, well, they can have star power if they don't unlock it. But yeah, if they would unlock it, I can't even imagine the star power. Sam Greasel, if he doesn't play basketball overseas, he will be a very rich man in Nebraska. He's gonna he lot, wants to be. Yeah. He's gonna have a lot of job opportunities in this place. Yeah. Now, God dang, you just said something that's really provocative. The idea <laughs> of a kid just going. How, how about how about being part of the team that wins two NCAA tournament games at Nebraska? Can you imagine the level of hysteria here? Nebraska gets in the NCAA tournament wins its first ever game and then happens to win another one. I mean, or two think about, and that's, I wish people would think more about it. I, it seems like we put such a cap on Nebraska basketball. I mean, there's such a level of acceptance with, with, I would even, I wouldn't even call it mediocrity. I mean, there's, it's just like, it's almost like Chicago Cubs baseball back in the day where they'd fill the stadium and everybody knew they were terrible, but everybody just kind of signed off on it. People keep their tickets because, number one, they're cheap. Yeah. I mean, they're not expensive compared to, like, a Kansas or something. And right. you, just in case they're good, you have them. <laughs> I mean, that, like, yeah. Now, yeah. this year, more lower bowl seats, because I'm a season ticket holder, so I, I'm able to see, like, the available seats. There were more lower bowl seats that opened before this year than they've ever had in the Pinnacle Bank Arena history. But you saw when Nebraska won six of eight in February. It got hot. It got hot fast. I mean, I mean people I mean, get nuts. Yeah, it was a very interesting season because January was a it was a disaster, but February they got good. Tominaga captured everybody's imagination, and they just got good. I mean, they were legitimately good. Which, again, why that, that's why I'm still sort of shocked by the Minnesota loss. <laughs> Toganama's family was like the royal family on the big screens. I mean, yeah. they were showing his dad. And, well, that's I mean, a great story. It, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, you're right. I mean, but just how captivated the story got for people. I mean, and we're playing 500 basketball. They were playing 500 basketball because they, you know, they got off to a pretty bad start, and they had that. They overscheduled. Swing. Yeah, and they and they had that bad January swoon. But I, but what my whole thing was during the month of February and into March is they're pretty good. This is not fluky. They just got a pretty good team. Walker is one of the. I mean, Walker is one of the most interesting and profound developmental stories I've ever seen. He didn't come here as the player he's leaving as. He he worked extremely hard to become a player who could shoot with both hands could he, he could go left or right really hard he i mean think about what he did to ryan kalkbrenner who was the big east defensive big east defensive player of the year center for creighton he had his way with ryan kalkbrenner in that game against creighton i'm going back i know but i was amazed all year watching walker go at the very best defensive centers and do a good job how do you stack Walker up? I'm going to give you some recent big man names in Nebraska: Alex Marks, Alec March, They're just, yeah. and John Turk. How do you stack oh, Walker up to those guys? Is he better? I, I hate to say it. I, I don't want to dodge your question, but he's so much different because he's not as big. He's smaller, but he was honored eight. more. He got. I mean, to be second team All Big Ten mm -hmm. is a hell of a lot harder than it ever was in those Big Twelve days. I would go back to the late Andre Smith. Now you don't remember him, but he and he just passed. Um, in his early 60s, Andre Smith was the big eight player of the year. Now, he was an undersized center. He was more of a back-to-the-basket guy than Derek Walker. Derek Walker, we call him downhill Derek because he gets downhill so well going to the basket. Smith was a little like that, but they list Derek Walker at 6'9". He's more like 6'8", 
but he's big and strong like Andre Smith was. If you ever watch clips of Andre Smith, you're you're so young. Your dad would better associate with this. He would. Your dad would know exactly what I'm talking about. Andre Smith was an undersized center, six foot eight. But Sean, he was the Big Eight Player of the Year. He was better than Derek. But they remind they kind of remind me of each other the way they maneuver around the basket. It's it, Derek is a fascinating player to me. Well, fun discussion today, Sip, here on Headlines. Um, when we come back next week, we'll be getting ready for spring practice. So looking forward How to that. How about that, Sean? Thank you to Tom Deanhart for joining us as well. And make sure you subscribe to Husker Online. We've got a great special, $29.99. Get you access to Husker Online all the way through August 31st. Um, and if you want to follow, find us here, uh, make sure you like, download, subscribe to us here on the YouTube channel or anywhere you can find podcasts for Steve Sipple. I'm Sean Callahan. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Husker Online Headlines.